Hello and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is episode 199. Oh my goodness, it's so exciting. Because you know what that means <laughs> next week. <laughs> It means that next week. <laughs> it means that next week is not going to be show two hundred because we're saving show two hundred. <laughs> so we're going to go straight to two hundred and one because that makes sense. Um, but anyway, here for this magnificent anticipatory show one hundred ninety nine is of course, as you can hear in the background, whooping it up, the brilliant <laughs> Rachel Brewster. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Thank you very much, Graham Jago. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed, I missed the right as well, didn't I? <laughs> I know you did. I, I was like, yeah, it's uh, Rachel Brewster Wright. Um, it's only been three years, so, you know, <laughs> worry about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 199. Can you believe it? Goodness me. <laughs> it's a bargain at half the price. <laughs> 199. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, uh, for anybody who, who, has, who missed us discussing this fact earlier on uh we decided that we're going to skip 200 because obviously with the way that the situation is at the moment we just felt like we weren't going to be able to do the show that we would have liked to have done for 200 that we'd planned to hopefully you know kind of um get recorded and things so um so instead we're gonna just do a a quick sort of like scooch over that (laughs) go for 199 and then 201 so um that's right um we thought it'd be lovely to get a fantastic guest on with us today aid obviously can't be with us today um so he's he's busy with work uh work bits and pieces i think at the moment um but we do have a fantastic guest graham do you want to introduce our amazing guest Oh, it's one of our faves, one of our all-time faves, um, dialing in from uh, lockdown France, lockdown everywhere. It is the wonderful David Allen. David, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks Woo. for having me. Woo, yeah. <laughs> one nine nine. I'm back. <laughs> one nine nine. Represent. All the listeners, you don't know, we, we just decided on one nine nine t-shirts and we're getting them. Oh, <laughs> well, that's not bad. <laughs> Episode one nine nine T-shirts. I'm we just haven't looking, even recorded it yet. I'm just looking forward to um, the the confusion to anybody who's at some point in the future looking down the listing because one nine nine two oh one and then yeah you know, let's say I don't know two thirteen two hundred two fourteen it's going to really mess everything up. It's going to be great. Um, David, it's fantastic to have you back on. Uh, so much stuff we want to talk to you about tonight um, because you know, you've not been um, sitting idle over the last few months. Uh, even before all this stuff kicked off, you started getting stuff bubbling away with Glass to 15 negatives. And since then, you've been working away on that. You've been working away on doing some podcasting yourself um, and all sorts of other fun stuff. So where should we start? Should we start with 15 next? Yeah, sure. Why not? Go on then. Tell us all about it. So I had this idea. Well, originally it was an idea to have sort of a subscription site for uh, for photography, mostly film photography, and do sort of tutorials and subscription sites. So I bought 15 negatives and then it just sort of sat there because I've been busy with things. And then I sort of realized it'd be nice to have a marketplace like an Etsy just for darkroom prints specifically. Um, just to maybe create a place where darkroom printers could all put their things, where people could discover new darkroom printers. Because, you know, we all make sort of our own websites and our own market, you know, we sell on mm-hmm. our individual websites, but then you have to do so much to get people there. And I was thinking it would be cooler if someone came to a site to see my stuff, but they'd also see, you know, another another photographer's work. 
Um, and so it was sort of rattling around in my head for a while. And then uh, cue coronavirus and realizing <laughs> a lot of photographers are stuck at home and don't have, um, you know, uh, income. I was like, oh, this might be a good thing to fast track. So I just sort of fast tracked uh, essentially an Etsy for darkroom printers. I don't that's 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 what it is, um, mm-hmm. which is cool. And we have a bunch of people, you know, who who are signed up to sell. Um but of course, getting prints ready and everything, there's, you know, there's some delay. So I think there's only, uh, you know, a handful of actual printers who have work for sale on there because we just launched it sort of recently. But yeah, yeah, it's been sort of cool. Um, it's we'll, been sort we'll of cool. So, okay, so questions then. Questions, questions. Yeah, go, go, go. Questions me. Why is it called 15 negatives? I can't. I don't know that. I sh- that's that's a secret. No, um, <laughs> no, they're on the. You you're on the wrong the podcast answer. for secrets, okay, Dave. Okay. You know that. So, so, so on tw- on Twitter a ways back, there there was um, like a recalcitrant like um, Twitterer, sort of in the community, um, who he said something along the lines of most digital photography shouldn't be considered photography <laughs> because the images have been changed. Um, to the point where they no longer have their original intent or purpose or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten out of a big darkroom session making darkroom composites, the the space ones. Have you seen those of the moon and stuff? It mm-hmm. was like right after I'd made those for a show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is, this is sort of dumb. Like th- people were changing photographs well before digital. This isn't specific to digital. And if you have beef with changing photos, that's another conversation, right? So I sort of responded saying like, this was all, all possible before. Why is this specific to this? And why, you know, the photographer can do whatever they want, you know, particularly in the darkroom. And his response to me was, try mashing 15 negatives into an enlarger and see how easy that is. <laughs> and and so I did. <laughs> I'm not course even did. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 um, <laughs> so it's like, it's sort of a middle finger it's a secret middle finger to this idea, <laughs> this false idea of purity, I guess, mm-hmm. um, where it's the point is, if you want to put your own restrictions on your craft, do it right. If you're like, I don't crap, fine, all the power to you. But the moment you try to apply those to someone else, you should go push sand. Right. And and so it's sort of a middle finger to that idea. Like, I want people to sell whatever they want to print. Right. If they want to print from one negative, be as straight as possible with it, like. That's awesome. Um, but I don't have time to support these sort of notions that we that it's not photography once we decide to, you know, change our negatives or, you know, smush an amount of negatives into an enlarger. Um, That's a great so word, I, by the way. Smush. Yeah. Well, also. And so okay. 15. Sorry, Graham. No, I was just going to say, if, if you do have decided that maybe 15 negatives isn't for you, can I, can I say that I've got a strong vote for your website being called The Secret Middle Finger? <laughs> The secret middle finger. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. I'm sure you have something more no, useful no, it's fine. to say. No, I, I actually didn't. <laughs> um, uh, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, so just that 15 negatives doesn't abide with negativity, basically. So yeah, its yeah. own its own kind of um, push towards some positive shoot film be nice esque. Um, mm. area of the internet I think is awesome um, like it says on the website you know artist centred um, you know, and uh, about 
die in directly from the photographers. Can I ask a quick question about that? So yeah. the the site itself um, is obviously there as a marketplace, as a place to highlight for, for a single place for you to go to be able to find um, darkroom uh, artists, which is awesome. Um, once you've made a purchase, let's say you've found a piece that you really like and you're making a purchase, um, do um, does that then go through the site or is that then that it's passed on directly to the photographer? So I'm just thinking from both a photographer's perspective and from a consumer's perspective, how, how does this transaction work? So, so the transaction um, I have in place where you can take credit cards or PayPal or any of that. Sure. So that goes through me and then mm-hmm. the artist gets paid uh, through PayPal. Mm-hmm. Um, 90, 90% plus they get all of the shipping, 100% of the shipping, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. get um, taxes, which are automated. Um, uh, you know, they get that, mm-hmm. that portion of taxes off of that 90% too. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's done through pay, PayPal, you know, yeah. uh, automatically yeah. through PayPal payouts. Um, and then, yeah, and then I just keep 90, uh, sorry, 10%. I keep 10%, <laughs> not 90%. Read funny. the small print, everyone. Slip of a, the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but so, uh, to so use towards, photog- like, advertising yeah. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so um, as the photographer... Um, if you were if you were to register yourself with the site and upload your work and what have you, um, do you then get like a notification that somebody's purchased it and mm-hmm. then you're in a conversation with them or is it that that's the piece that they bought um, and rather than it sort of like being done to commission and things, you have a set number of edition and that kind of thing and it's kind of like okay, I'm now I go into the dark room and I make that or you've maybe already got that made and you just ship it out to right. an address. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like Etsy, like you have mm-hmm. a dashboard, and you can go in and you can see your orders and you mark them fulfilled when you send them cool. out and track yeah. all that. Um, so yeah, and you get an email that says, hey, you got an order. Um, here's the address. Uh, and there's like a, a dashboard where you can log in and see all your orders and manage your stock. I mean, I have like one piece up there, uh, which is an edition of five. And I think I've printed four out of five, you know, oh. but I have the notes on the fifth one. So if someone orders the fifth, I'll go in the darkroom and make it right. Um, but I mean, uh, I actually, it'd be interesting to set it up to do commissions, commissioned work, darkroom mm-hmm. work, which would be really interesting and wouldn't be hard to do. I didn't think about that too much, but yeah, I mean, that's doable. Uh, mm. Yeah. Um, Excellent. So, um, okay, I have um, there's so many questions because this is this thing is uh, fascinating to me. The whole idea is fascinating. I think it's fabulous. Um, at the moment, because I'm looking at the 15 negatives, 15 negatives.com um, website, uh, it doesn't, unless I'm being a total idiot, which admittedly <laughs> chances are high, <laughs> um, there are options to sort by um, so many different things by size, uh, presentation, print type, substrate, all of this stuff. Am I missing the part where it says you can sort like individual artists? No, because right now there aren't that many people who actually have stuff for sale. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's sort of waiting till we had more representation on there. Um, sure. To do that, but the thing is, what I was thinking is either I advertise a site and you're going to discover stuff, right? Mm. Or artists themselves are going to link. Every artist has a page where you can see just their stuff. 
So I figured individual artists will link to that anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you know the person you're looking for, you're probably going there and or you could use the search bar for their name right like got you i, I i've never bought a print because i looked through a name a uh, list of names i didn't know and said oh <laughs> look frederico that sounds like a really like artistic name i'll buy it you know like, <laughs> like so that's sort of the idea but i wanted to be artist centered so i i've been thinking about like how can i do a page with maybe images or more features on the the individual artists like i'm still sort of figuring out how to do mm-hmm. that because maybe use the blog to to do more just features on like longer features on the work of art artists on 15 negatives and stuff um yeah so because so, i mean that's there just for people like i want to print oh flowers you know like cool you know yeah. like yeah yeah so can Anybody who is making darkroom or or process prints, can anyone sign up to be part of this? Yeah. I, so so how it's set up right now, it was sort of like by invitation by me, mm-hmm. but um, it's hard. You know, just people don't have extra prints lying around always. It's you know an involved process. Yeah. And I wanted to get more stuff up there before I started trying to like advertise it too much. So um, I started just accepting uh, registration. So if you go on the site, you can register as a seller, but that doesn't mean you can sell right away. I have to manually approve it. Yeah. Um, but I've been manually approving all of the requests. Recently, so, so, yeah. so um, uh, okay, this is going to be the awkward question. <laughs> Well, this is oh, yeah. the, the first awkward question. At the moment, because you're working from a very limited pool of people, because uh, you said there's four yeah. people so far, and I'm guessing that these are people who you initially approached to them want to do this, so these are the, the invitees as opposed to people who have... No, um, one of them's an invitee, and the other two are people who found it through Facebook. Okay, cool. Um, quality management, because at the moment, everything that's on there, uh, you know, it's fine art stuff for the most part um various you know there's a lot of different stars but the quality is all very good um and i know that say for example i was to go oh i'd like to sign up and sell my stuff on there it would not be as good as that i mean it'd be pretty spectacular obviously i'm not knocking myself i'm really really great but it's not up to the standard of the stuff that's on there is this going to be a consideration or are you happy for for people to um to put stuff up up there and let people make their own choices about well is this worth investing my money because i can see a situation where if just anyone can throw up anything that's on there you could end up with an awful lot of stuff on there but the general quality level being brought down by it i yeah, it's sort of like I was wondering about that myself. Like in the terms, if you read the terms page, I put in there, I can terminate your account for any reason I deem a reason at any time. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't think I'm going to have to throw that hammer. Like, so there's some people who I invited who even didn't feel like their stuff was on the level. I don't know yeah. that like Darkroom is mainstream enough where you just have like you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, like, oh, I'm going to sell, I'm going to make a rich through, like, my darker mm. prints, right? Like, um, so I'm I'm sort of betting on the fact that most people have, like, an honest appraisal of what they're putting out. And oh, yeah. if anything, they're going to be, 
they're going to undersell themselves. Like there's one guy I invited who was just like, oh, I'll be the cheap option. Like I'm not on the level. I'm like, some of your stuff like I've seen is really good. That's what, you know, like invited you, you know? So mm. I'm guessing it's going to be more that. And then maybe once in a while I'll have to have that hard conversation where I send an email to someone being like, hey, look, you know, like I saw you posted this, like um, maybe we should talk about your pricing and <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I, I'm sure Rachel have feelings on this as well. Mm-hmm. That um, people lacking confidence, who people who are producing good quality work that deserves to be out there and being bought by people, but lacking the confidence to put it there, is like to be as much of, if not a bigger yeah. problem with this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, I mean, it's still really early days, isn't it? And and I guess the thing is with this kind of thing, it's very much a learning you know, as we go along, as it, yeah. as it organically, you know, changes as a, um, as, as a concept and as a, as a place, you know, once it starts to become more populated with work, I think things will hopefully start to sort of shake out a little bit, you know, anyway. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's sort of what I'm hoping. I, I made a Slack account just for all 15 negatives mm-hmm. artists because I sort of wanted like a mini almost social network of all the artists on there. Yeah. Because then it can be like this open, you know, as we're figuring things out, hey, what do we think, you know, as a group, even if someday there's a hundred people on there, you know, there can be like conversations and figuring out how things go. And, you know, I sort of like that aspect of it too, where there's cross promotion or, you know, group exhibitions or, you know, where we're, Mm you know, connecting as, you know, as darkroom printers and not just trying to sell through the site. And so then I'm open for it to evolving into whatever makes sense. Like I'm not, uh, it's not my hill to die on. This is not like my, like I dreamt of 15 negatives when I was five (laughs) and tattooed the logo on my arm. How dare you? Something else following on from what you were just saying about, you know, getting people on and maybe having to have conversations about, look, you know, you've done this and you're pricing like this and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, this is a broader actually question uh, or at least conversation than just 50 negatives. I think for people in general, um, deciding on the value of your work seems like possibly the hardest thing in the world to do. Um, so do you like you have your work your work is up on this website it's for sale you have been selling your work for some time now so you are the expert for answering this question how do you decide this piece of work that i've created is worth this price and not only decide that it is worth that price but make sure that you've decided on a price that people are willing to pay for it how does that happen Oh, man. That's a great question. You want to answer that for me, Rachel? Um, (laughs) Thanks, David. Um, That is, I think, an ongoing battle for literally any artist who's ever tried to sell any of their work. I mean, and and it doesn't doesn't kind of like get to the point where you go, yeah, super happy with that. (laughs) It never does. It's like, okay, maybe this is a bit too much. Maybe this is a bit too little. Actually, what do I need to charge to survive? Is this, you know, we're going to have to start eating my photographic paper? Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a ongoing, ongoing. It it is ongoing. Yeah, for me, like a bunch of people told me like my stuff was too, too cheap, Mm -hmm. like before. And I'm like thinking like, well, why? Like I'm not, you know, like I'm not selling a ton, but now I just sort of 
price things how I think they should be priced, maybe based on time and effort or whatever. And then I'm not, I haven't hung my hat on selling anything. Fortunately, yeah. like this isn't my main income. So I can sort of do that. Because I was having a conversation with uh, Sven from Viewfinder Vikings. Um, and he bought one of my irregulars, which are usually like um, almost there prints. And I do a lot of darkroom composites. Mm -hmm. So you you get a lot of almost there composites, right? Because composites are sort of this weird thing where it's not like, oh, this is almost there, but like the sky is too, you know, like overexposed. I need to like burn it a bit. You know, it's like, oh, I made a ship with the moon, but like I just misalign the mask just ever so slightly but it's still a really cool i don't know it's just different yeah and uh so he bought one of those and and i had him priced super cheap because i'm like well i don't want to throw these out i think they're cool and he's like why are you selling this for 35 euros and i'm like because ah, i want someone to have it i don't like <laughs> um but yeah so i started pricing my stuff higher um mm -hmm. Because it's just like you have these conversations all the time where it's cool. Like someone will ask like, oh, I want a print from you. And you're like, okay. And they're like, how much would a print of this be? And then you say like, oh, 100, 100 euros. And I'm like, and they'll, they'll respond like, oh, man, I'd love it, but that's too much. And you're like, and then it's like sent from my iPhone X. And you're like, that's, which is fine. I'm not, I don't hate on iPhones. It's just like, I think people... Like, don't realize how much time and effort we put into these things. Like, you know, yeah. that, that, that like, you smushing 15 negatives together in an enlarger is actually hard, you know? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Like, make, making one, one good print that you're super happy with that is, like, the, the, the one, you know, can take can take a day, can take a couple of days. You know, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not a quick process. So it's like, well, how much... How much do you need to be able to cover mm -hmm. your time and expertise and insurance and all and the materials and everything else, yeah. you know, that for something that's cost, you know, two days of work, you know, let's say that's what in a, in a air quotes, normal job, you know, <laughs> if you look <laughs> at it like that, you're like, well, actually, you know, what, what, yeah. do, what does whoever X get paid for two days of work in, in a highly skilled job yep mm. you know, no and you have to work it out like that accordingly don't you see the other thing to think about with with pricing is is the effect as a as a whole as a whole kind of like industry as well you know and if you're underpricing your work then it means that you know other people haven't really got anywhere else to go with that so somebody who is working full-time and this is their living and, and it's about them actually making a living from their work you know, if if somebody's selling it for fifteen quid a print or whatever, you know, it's and they're trying to sell it for one hundred and fifty or you know fifteen hundred pounds, you know, because that's the work and the time that's gone into it, then it makes it much more difficult. You know, that's that's interesting actually, because I'm I'm I wonder I, I know that that is certainly true in in many fields, and you, know, you mm. and I, well, all three of us, we're all self-employed people, you know, and a lot yeah. of the work you do, like say for example, wedding photography, is very vulnerable to this. You you can get people come in who've decided that they're going to pick it up, pick up a cheap digital camera, and um, go. Oh, if I can earn a couple of hundred quid for a day's work, that's way more than I was earning working in whatever job I was doing before. Um, if only but, it were that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <If only. laughs> um, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's about perception and versus reality of you know what that is. 
But and, does, I suppose my question is yeah. though, Rach, is do yeah. you think, and Dave, you, you may also have, you know, so with this, yes, obviously I could go, oh, well, it's a bit of a hobby. I'm going to make some prints, bang them out and just sell them off cheap because whatever, I don't care. But um, they are the end product. So there is, because, I mean, if it was that easy to make art and sell it full stop, I think, I, I suppose I'm not sure there's, such a direct line because I can't make I don't have the ability to make prints like the prints that are on sale on this website for you know 100 euros or 250 euros or whatever it may be I can't do that yes I could make a print <laughs> that would definitely be not even worth the 10 quid that I was asking for it I could do that but um anybody who looks at it is going to go well yes this is only 10 pounds but it's not that um so i wonder whether it uh, i suppose the my question is do you guys think it's quite as vulnerable to that kind of undercutting as other more um i don't know uh, things things like wedding photography or gardening for that matter don't anybody come around here charging super low money for gardening i'll be very angry <laughs> <laughs> I, it's. I mean, that's that's sort of a hard call because I think with art you're actually breaking into different markets, right? Like in the cheap end of the art world, people are super cheap, right? Mm. The average person likes the idea of liking art, mm. right? But if you look where they actually spend, they don't like art at all, right? Um, and and so when you're on the cheaper end. It's just like people are quibbling about like you can undercut. I think you can undercut for 35 bucks a print that's 50. Mm. But I don't know that you can undercut for 50 bucks a print that's 300. Does that yeah. make sense? Because like mm. I think at least in art, there are those of us who value art and artists. Like I don't have a huge budget in my life in general. Mm. Those of those who know me know I work half time for paying clients and half time on side projects and art and stuff and such. And um but uh, one thing we do spend money on when we can is art, you know, mm. uh, and supporting artists and, mm. and everything. And so for me, it's just sort of funny that I'm, you know, have a lot less than other people, but I don't, you know, it doesn't shock me to pay a few hundred, you know, like a few hundred bucks is not expensive yeah. for, for this. It, it, that's the thing is that it's all about priorities. It's all about, yeah. you know, what is the priority for somebody it's going to be completely different from what it is for somebody else, you know? Yeah. And and I suppose the other thing is, like, for example, as we were talking about weddings before, um, you know, for a particular couple, the, the absolute kind of, like, be-all and end-all about their wedding could be all about flowers, you know? So they spend yeah. two and a half grand or something on flowers, yeah? And that's that's their prerogative and that's their choice and that's what they spend their money on. And then they want a photographer who's under 500 quid, you know, because they don't care about that. <laughs> so it's their priority is all about the floral arrangement. So it can be, as you were saying, David, it's about what's the priority for you. So you, you probably don't, you know, have a lot of very expensive trainers, let's say, or something, but you would invest that money instead in art because that means yeah. more to you and is more of a a priority to have have that around you and I suppose the other thing to consider with something like this like 15 negatives that you've set up is that by its nature I think the people who are going to be going to a site like this are going to be they're interested in what other darkroom 
photographers are doing and artists are doing or just general kind of like analog um you know sort of processes and things perhaps some, some somebody who's more um attuned to the idea of it being handmade as opposed to something that you can buy in ikea let's say you know yeah hmm. i think but also it's um it's kind of like so i think it's fabulous that you have got on the website at the moment you have stuff that does start the, you, you've got prints on there that are uh, i think what's the lowest one you got on here at the moment um probably 35 was it yeah 35 yeah, so, yeah. Has, uh, one, yeah, yeah so um because i think it's important for people to have a way in as well mm -hmm. you talk about mm -hmm. priorities and, and habits but you have to form these and so like speaking personally um it would be i i love and appreciate good art i love seeing it um and i i won't buy something i don't like just because it's cheap but that mm -hmm. said i'll look at something and go oh i really love that but i, I wish can't it was afford... cheaper so i could yeah, afford yeah. it yeah yeah exactly and <laughs> yeah. so so at the moment i might go okay 300 pounds that would not only be a bit much for me that would be an irresponsible thing but to look and go okay but i could get this that i like yeah. that's 50 pounds and then and you kind of acclimatize yourself to okay i'm going to save <laughs> up and um i mean I, I do think it's fabulous as you you know the whole point of this site to be able to get um these pieces of handcrafted art you can put on your wall uh from the artists um is amazing because it's it's not easy to do that full stop um in any form of art and it's so easy to wander into as Rake said nike or or any sort of shop that sells framed up prints and just get so much stuff that isn't cheap anyway you know, you, you can mm. buy mass produced <laughs> yeah. um stuff that's still not cheap uh yeah. and here still so when plus you look, 50 plus isn't it you know yeah <laughs> yeah oh it's stu it's stupid expensive we have midica like here um i mean we have an ikea too but i always think of midica because it's like the home store the french one and you walk you know they have all these like pre um framed like photos of tigers you know, in the stairwell and they're not cheap at all. And that was sort of what convinced me. I need to charge more if mm -hmm. these aren't edition signed. It's like, ah, photo, a well done photo from Stocksy, but like, you know, like an edition of however many they want to make in a frame, like, and they're selling it for, you know, 400 euros. Like mm. what? And obviously if people didn't buy them they wouldn't sell them i don't you know like so people are spending 400 dollars on this tiger yeah right like um but yeah i mean i think i like that idea that you have like a way into i'm not like i'm not worried about being undercut and i think that's sort of the thing for me too is my photography like if someone's going to the site and wants a dragon in a teacup right there's not like another place to get that right like yeah. it's like well that's, oh, I, that's... i've started doing those now actually started uh yeah it's a dragon in a <laughs> coffee yeah. cup well, then I'm join doing. 15 negas undercut me i would love that <laughs> <laughs> well i'll do the, the 15 neg dragon teacup no. wars <laughs> well that's the thing isn't it it's i guess it's about there being something for everyone like you like you yeah. very rightly said great you know like the idea that yeah. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be super expensive and and out of the realms of possibility for somebody who who can't who can't afford that, you know, at the moment. Because, like you said, I look at these and go, "Well, those are beautiful. 
that might be one that I'd go, I'll save up for. You know, that'll be yeah, a birthday or a Christmas. I think it's the same thing. You know? Um, but if if there were, you know, a 30, 30 quid one, 20 quid, whatever, you know, then it's like, oh, actually, maybe. There's, um, there's been, I'm sure, lots of iterations of this kind of idea uh, in the past, but there was something just floating around in my head that I remembered um, where it was all about postcard art and, and um, the people... Um, created artwork on a postcard and they literally filled a gallery floor to ceiling and and the ceiling I think you know with with postcards by different artists and they were all kind of like anonymous anonymously done just numbered and what have you and you could basically pay pay what you feel sort of thing you know the idea Um, and you might get the equivalent of a Rembrandt you know or you might get somebody whose six-year-old daughter's done it who's also very talented perhaps you know and it's kind of like that idea of taking away names and taking away you know that um art will you know hype about somebody in particular and just taking it back down to the art and the the everybody paid the same amount I think it was like six quid a postcard or something you know so you could end up with something either way um and I just think that that's also lovely, you know, because, again, it's that um, option to have something that's, like, entry level as well, you know, to go, yeah, I've got this lovely piece that somebody's made by hand. It might be a smaller piece, you know, and I guess that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, perhaps physically, you know, a, a, a piece that's, you know, 50 centimetres by 50 centimetres or something is, is, is a big, big piece, right? Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, and... Perhaps it's like, well, maybe you've got these smaller sizes, you know, additions that you can do and charge a much smaller amount for as well. No, absolutely. It, it, speaking of Virgil, who has the, um, some pretty inexpensive prints up, and his prints are, are good. Like, I've actually seen them in Lyon, like when he was doing an exhibition there. Um, so they're really, he's a good darkroom printer, right? Mm. And so the inexpensiveness is not reflective of his ability as a printer. Um, his his girlfriend is a street artist in Lyon. And she does prints where she combines old negatives with uh, Spirograph. You know, like the kids thing. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Spirograph. Oh, my yes, God. Uh, I Spirograph. love that so much. Yeah. It's one of my but favorites. she's a street artist who works in Spirograph. Her stuff is awesome. It's Ofe. Oh, like O-F-E. You should look her up on, on Instagram. And she sells editions of these prints, like usually squ- like on, on her site. And it's criminal how cheap they are. It's like 35 euros for, you know, an edition of 10. And I have one of her thing, her pieces hanging up in my house. And it's one of the things that people remark on the most. Mm-hmm. And it was 30, 35 euros. And it's a signed limited edition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, you think it's like sort of criminal, but you just realize people aren't supporting artists enough. So mm. they just want to get their stuff out there. Yeah. But, um, and it's just this really cool juxtaposition she does of old photographs with, uh, spirographs. Um, mm, anyway, awesome. you should look it up. Yeah. It's really cool. But yeah, there are people out there too, who are just making really cool stuff and just don't charge that much for it, which is, mm-hmm. which is fine. And I just bought another one of her prints recently. The second one. Um, yeah. because Start I sold a print of mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I sold a print of mine, and during this time, I was like, I'm going to use half of this money to support another artist, you know, sort of pay it forward. So yeah, I sold a print, and then immediately bought 
bought one from her but yeah yeah, yeah that seems sensible when you've just bought a new house um whilst we're <laughs> talking <laughs> support an artist but not your house purchase um right prince this is another thing i think you will hopefully have some good thoughts on because uh, another thing you can sort on the website is how the prints are presented so you've got just prints you've got matted mounted framed all this sort um presentation is not talked about often in terms of you know our film photography and so on we just because it's you know we're, we're doing well if we get to the point where things are printed but um well presented work can make such a difference i um re fairly regularly i am very lucky to get stuff and i, I pass them on to rachel aid whenever i see them as well as the stuff gets sent to um stuff sent to us by the wonderful martin scarland and um the hallmark oh, of amazing. martin's work is not just the quality of the prints but the quality of the presentation is spectacular um and it just feels like as people producing art and you know if you're taking the time to maybe make a lovely print sometimes that's the bit where it all falls down a bit um so uh, do you uh, how do you present your work when you're selling it and, and how do you advise other people to sort of get the best from their work Oof. i i should present mine better i'm just <laughs> now investing in like better ways to mail even bigger prints so i can mail mm. them flat rather than rolling them um, but I'm not great at that mainly because I don't have much budget. Mm. So speaking of the house purchase, we, we decided, well, before we found, we saw this house and decided to buy it, we decided to do a no spend year. And mm. during this whole year, the only money I can spend on photography, I have to make from photography. So this has been going on since October, November. And so my wife was like, we did a no spend year and you bought a house. <laughs> like, <laughs> Epic fail. Yeah, like it's the worst. Because I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. I don't spend that. I've all, you know, and she reminds me of that. I'm like, yeah, I've only been spending on photography what I've made from photography. She's like, you bought a house. Like you bought us a house. I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I best sell some um, photos then. <laughs> yeah, but, but all that to say, like um, budgets like a little hard right now so i i keep thinking i need to be better i want to frame more stuff and even with less expensive frames it just looks so much nicer too and it protects it um and so i think i'm going to be better about doing that um getting getting mats cut and just and framing stuff to sell it and when i have the money um you know waiting to post stuff until i can present them slightly better mm. Because I think it makes a difference. Um, but I haven't, personally, I haven't been good about that, right? Like, I've been like, buy a print for me and I'll wrap it up. And usually I'll just throw in, like, free goodies. Like, you know, like, here's some gummy bears stuck so to it. So it's stuck to part. it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, look. Hey. That's great. Some melted Moabs. Uh, um, but I suppose, I mean, there's a whole art artistry in, in mounting and framing and nothing, mm. you know, and all of that. It's Oh, some people just love it and but it can be really fiddly and it can be quite frustrating and it can be expensive <laughs> because of the mistakes you know and trying trying to do that as well it's kind of a whole separate other job as well isn't it being mm -hmm. able to get your your work um presented nicely how about you graham how how do you tend to deal with that situation 
this is going to sound unnecessarily self-deprecating and it's certainly not meant that way it is just factual um i've not yet printed anything i care enough about that i would ever want to put anywhere near a mount or a frame so it's not been an issue where i but have... if you put it in a mount or a frame it'll probably look a hell of a lot better right yeah yeah, yeah that's true um so i have had <laughs> i have had to get i suppose I, in the past when i've wanted to get things mounted for whatever mm. reason it's been um i've always taken it to a framer taken it to a framers yes yeah. because um Same. because as you said quite rightly rach that um mounting and framing is an entire skill set in its own right um and mount cutting yeah, that's some fairly big equipment that you need and you need to spend the time to to learn to use it well and to produce stuff well so um i have neither the time nor the space nor at all the inclination to do that um so uh, yeah, I think it, for for me and probably for quite a lot of people, it falls into the category of get other people to do that side for you. Um, but I do think it 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 is transformative in the way it um, brings images up. It's really mm -hmm. lovely. And and speaking as a consumer, buying something which at the very least is already mounted is is great because it's you want to get the thing on the wall. And if you yeah. just buy a print, then there's several steps to you needing to you know, okay i need to get this mounted and i need to find a frame and all this and it's you know and otherwise the thing just ends up staying in the envelope it was sent in or the rolled up tube with the haribo stuck to it if you're getting it from david <laughs> <laughs> whatever it may be um it's a great so... advert for this uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buy my friends everyone dragon teacup gummy bears <laughs> yeah. um gummy bears make everything better but yeah no it was, it was just because like i said you do have stuff on there um people can buy framed prints already as you mentioned already virgil's got some stuff on there that yeah. you can buy you can buy a framed print on there um uh for you know 50 pounds um yeah. matted and framed i mean that's that's fantastic but <laughs> you can do that um so yeah that's great um let's move on from 50 negatives because um i think it's fantastic and hopefully uh everyone will be going there to have a look um everyone. maybe be inspired to buy something or, or maybe be inspired to go oh i think i could submit stuff to this and um and get in touch with you because i mean that's <laughs> the thing at the moment what this really needs to make it work is two things it needs one people going there to buy stuff but arguably more important in the first place is people going there to put their stuff up to be sold um so they can be a great choice of um art when people go there i think it's yeah. i think it could become a fantastic destination for people to go to i mean for gifts for whatever it's just yeah, yeah brilliant fantastic uh, where where would people be best to contact you about this um at the moment then david is there a I mean, particular contact if they're selling, if they're interested in selling, I mean, the best thing is just to go to the site and at the very top, there's seller registration next to my account. Mm -hmm. They could just fill that out and I'll get back to them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, I tend to actually look up, you know, the work if I can find them, you know, just out of curiosity also, like what kind of stuff they do and, you know, and send an, I'll send an email over and an invite to join the Slack and everything. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. And and as you said, you it's it's not just darkroom prints; it's any analog created prints, so cyanotypes, yep. lumen prints, yep. lith prints, anything like that. I'm guessing yep. it's all fair game. Um, non, so. non ink, essentially. I, we haven't added like instant. I think Bromoil? we decided. I like <laughs> yeah. 
It's where I actually went on to the Slack channel. I was like, should we do instant? Someone's like, yeah. And then other people like, I don't know. You know, like it's fun. It's been fun sort of like having people like, you know, mm. chat. And I think a few people like said no for some reason. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. And so, the, you know, no instant. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, like, and if people feel like all hurt because they're a film photographer, like um, who just prints industrial, it's no hate there. You know, I don't dislike digital prints any more than someone who opens a shoe shop hates hats right i just chose not to sell them so known the hat hater dave (laughs) yeah i I don't Um, know why but i feel like that's definitely not true i'm sure that you've got like a whole wardrobe of hats david that that would definitely suit don't tell anyone (laughs) anybody who's met you knows this dave (laughs) um I want to ask, so we want to move on from this to um, some more practical stuff uh, because the most recent role of film that I developed was a role of FP4+, plus, um, which I shot at 400 ISO because of you. So the reason this is entirely your fault is when we met up before Christmas for the tanky uh, screening um, down in yep. Worcester, you were loading up a camera um, with FP4, and I'm pretty sure you were going to shoot it at 400, or it might even have been at 800, 500, 500, yeah. 500. Uh, to which my response was, why are you doing that? Do you not know you can get HP5, which is already at 400? And you went, well, no, you know, it's, it's good because it looks, I like the way it looks, and yada, yada, yada. Spell me some bullshit. And then so when I next came to your role, well, I'm going to give this a go. Um, so, okay, first off, why do you shoot FP4 at 500? I love how it looks. Like, FP4, the first time I shot it, you know, the grain structure's unique. It's different than other grain structures. And I think anyone who sees, like, a good scan or, a, like, a high, uh, big enough print from it will notice that right away. It's got an old type of grain structure. And, um... And I, I've already, like, I fell in love with FP4. And when I started shooting at 500, it just sort of comes out a little more. And I use a developer that controls the contrast, so I I still oh. get more contrast when I push, obviously. Um, but not so much that I can't print it or that I blow up my highlights at all. And okay. I, just, I love how it looks. I, I would take FP4 at 500 over HP5 at 400 any day. Um, okay. Yeah. I just love it. I love how it looks. Okay, so th- you may have inadvertently already answered one of the questions because I'm okay. looking at the pictures that I developed now and they are a bit contrasty. Um, I wouldn't say that the highlights are completely blown out, but they're pushed pretty hard. Do you use Rodinol or <laughs> no, <laughs> don't um, use I used, I used HC110. Okay. Um, and I just kind of went with the whatever the number on um, the massive dev chart was, I think it was, um, for doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And looking at them as the scans, I don't love them. Um, because the, the, the to- actually the tonality for most of it is pretty good. But then the highlights just seem to be a, a notch higher than you'd want them to be. I haven't mucked around to pull things together a bit, but um, you know, the, it's it's not it's not black black or white. It, the, the range is still there. But um, what do you use to develop then? Um, I use Ultrafin T Plus a lot, which is going to be similar to um, DDX, uh, I think. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I so I use a modern tea grain developer, which is sort of funny because it's just saying how much I like the grain. But a good con uh, fine grain compensating developer. So like sort of any fine grain compensating developer will usually mm -hmm. be be pretty solid. Because um, you you know that that we talked about the dragon teacup like that is FP four at five hundred. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of my stuff is actually FP4 at 500. Um, but you, you, I guess, I mean, this is pushing in general though, right? If you, depending on your developer, you can just blow out highlights or, you know, if the developer just boosts contrast too much, like, you know, that's all she wrote. Um, and you're always going to get increased contrast. So if the scene just has ton, you know, requires tons of, uh, you know, range, um, you know, pushing might not be what, you know, what's called for, but. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, they, they, it's given me some fairly uh, dense, denser negs than I perhaps normally get. You know, looking at them as negs, apart from the fact that they're inverted, they're almost punchy enough to be slides. <laughs> Which uh, do you think I might have more success printing from these than I've had scanning from them? Because I find that sometimes that some negs that don't scan very well actually print quite nicely. Yeah, it's um, maybe it's. It's sort of funny. It does. I guess it depends on your enlarger. I mean, traditionally, people say you want less contrast um, when you're when you're printing in the darkroom. You know, that's why darkroom printers tend to pull, so they can control in the darkroom oh. later, and they have that information. Um, I don't just because I'm lazy and I just want like my <laughs> negative as close to what I want, right? So, um, I would say print in the darkroom and um, and split grade. And you might get a better result, right? So if you if you um, you can pull the highlights out by doing a short exposure, maybe at um, you know at a low contrast setting, low contrast filter, but doing you know like a third of a stop or quarter of a stop at that setting, you might pull details out of your highlights that you didn't realize were there. So. Okay, actually, can you can you talk? Because I'm not great at this, and John's yeah. tried to explain it to me in the past. And um, can you thought just actually go through the process and the whys of split grading um, in a way that's easy for us, <laughs> a very very little brain to understand? Yeah, I mean, so split grading is just where so you have multi grade papers, right? So you have different color filters that basically determine what the contrast is going to be on the paper. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you do multiple exposures of the same negative, but with different filters, each exposure is going to be with a different contrast, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is maybe you like a ton of contrast. Okay. So you go, okay, I like this contrast four. And anyone who doesn't know, that means like a fair amount of contrast. So you expose it for 45 seconds at contrast four but there's a window in the shot. And with that high contrast, that window just looks pure white, right? So then you put in a contrast one, right? You did 45 seconds at four. You put in a contrast one, which is like very low contrast, which would normally make everything look gray. And then you do another 10, 15 seconds with that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, suddenly since the contrast is so low, that's gonna make the window look light gray instead of white. But it's not so much that it's going to affect the rest of the scene, right? Because it's 10 extra seconds. That's what, a fraction of a stop? Mm-hmm. 
but it's just long enough at that low contrast that in that window, suddenly you're seeing detail that wasn't there, right? So, and this works the other way around too, right? Say you have a scene that's perfect, but the blacks don't punch enough, but you don't want to change anything else about it. So you do the whole scene at, at 30 seconds at a contrast two, and then you do five or 10 seconds at a contrast five. And since it's so short and such high contrast, all that the paper picks up on are the blacks, right? Everything else falls into that white range and it doesn't care. And then suddenly you have these really punchy blacks, but the rest of the scene looks exactly like you had with the, the lower contrast, right? So you can use these different filters to sort of pull out or emphasize different contrast. Did that make sense? Ra- Rachel, you It totally this, made sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, did gonna, I explain that well? You did. You mm. did. Okay. And uh, I'm, just so you know, Graham, I'm going to be doing a, an alpha video. On that. Yay! Very oh, yeah! Okay, that's great. <laughs> um, so, but I, I wanted you to also describe it, David, because we all have different ways of describing, you know, these kinds of techniques as well. So, what works for one person might not work for for another person. So, it's been really <laughs> lovely to listen to how you do it as well, and how you would explain it. It's much more difficult to explain without showing as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, kudos yes. for that. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was asking. How's the response been on those videos? I saw that you're doing those, which is really cool. Have oh, people been? Yeah, it's been it's been really lovely, actually. There's been uh, a lot of um, very very supportive uh, comments and people who um, on this one, the most recent one, episode two, which I just did a little introduction to. By the way, you can also tone print. So we were looking at selenium toning. Um, on a warm tone paper and um, you know a couple of the first comments were just sort of like oh I didn't realize it was a simple and I'm gonna go and try that like right now and I was like that's brilliant that's exactly what I wanted you know what we'd hoped to get from from doing these it's as as with anything you know there's there's so much you can do with any one aspect or even half a little aspect of analog photography and you can go into that and that just be your focus for the next 20 years of your life (laughs) but you know it's it's about going there's all of these different things that you can try as um you know on top of this is how you make a test strip and this is how you make your first print sort of thing it's like try these other things out as well and we just wanted that little introduction to say it's not as scary as maybe sometimes people other people can perhaps make it seem (laughs) it can it can sometimes put people off even Mm. attempting it because it feels too unknown and it feels too scary so we wanted a way of going actually it's not you know um yes of course you can go into really in-depth kind of uh, ways of working with any of these techniques but it doesn't have to be that you know and as a first step just just get in there and try it and these are the quick easy simple ways of doing that really so um so that was that was lovely to get that those responses back um from people so yeah it's been it's been great so far and um yeah it seems like people are excited to to watch more of them um which is lovely and uh yeah, it's just the spanner in the works, unfortunately, not being able to go and, and film anymore at the moment. Um, but I will get on that as soon as we possibly can once we're able to do so. So, yeah. For Graham's sake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Also so, for Graham's sake. <laughs> how how many views have they had so far, Rach? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, look quickly because I seem to remember. Go, you go and check now. Whilst okay. you're checking, I know that Aid mentioned in the comments, uh, in the comments, in our conversation we were having last week. I think it was that your first video was over twelve thousand views already. Oh my god! Um, I know, right? That's amazing, that's awesome. isn't it? And that's. <laughs> I mean, and also when you just think about it, like that's over twelve thousand people. Who... Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> 30, Thirteen thousand for the dodge and burn, the first one. And... Oh, it's awesome. Uh, 4.7 thousand for the uh, Tony one. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think it really shows how much interest there is in this darkroom nonsense. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's really, wow, that's... really cool. Um, Isn't that uh, awesome that there's so many people getting into into trying this out? And yeah, just perfect time for awesome. giving giving something else, something new a go, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Just very, just for my own, just very quick clarification on the thing we were talking about with the um, multi-grade, the split grading oh, yeah. So, from what you're saying, to control the um, highlights, to bring detail into highlights, mm -hmm. I'm using low contrast filters, mm -hmm. and for the um, shadows, I'm adjusting those using my high contrast filters. It depends. Depends. And, yeah. So, yeah. Oh no. Now, now I can't little, if, I said for punchy blacks, right? Okay. Because like, sometimes what will happen is you'll get everything what you want, but you don't get any pure blacks. Mm -hmm. And if you're printing on fiber like I do, like you just love blacks. You're just like I just want something that's pure black because it yeah, looks so nice right. on this. Like different paper is going to react differently yeah. with different with different contrast filters anyway, isn't it? And that's yeah. a, that's another thing to take into account. But, yeah, I mean, so it does get like I think Rachel is saying like these things get complicated really quickly, right? Because you oh, might boom. want you might want tons of shadow detail but darker mm. in a certain area. So then suddenly you're going to just burn that area or dodge everything else, which are equivalent, right? <laughs> like um, at a lower contrast but a really long time. Yeah. Right. So then what you have is everything because it's a long time but low contrast. You have all of this range in those shadows that's like super dark, but you still have all this range because it's low contrast. And since you dodged the rest of the print, it's just there. But it gets complicated quickly. So that's why I try to give the whole like, hey, you have a window, you want details, maybe try a short burst with low contrast. Oh, you have something great, but your blacks aren't quite punchy enough. Do a short burst with high contrast, yeah. which I think is a great place to start. Definitely. And, okay. and then, you know, just once you've got that baseline, you can just try a little, you know, a couple of extra seconds on this or or go down half a filter on, you know, half a grade filter on that and, and do your test strips, you know, until you feel, oh, yeah, actually, that is what I want it to be like. You can combine it with dodging and burning as well and split grade. Yeah. And three weeks later, your wife's like, why are you still in the garage? I'm like, three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> this print's going to cost so much money oh, when people come man. to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, well, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate the uh, right. advice on that. Because, uh, yeah, it's, I've, I've kind of had a go at doing it, but I've always had a go at doing it with not with an idea of vaguely what it is, but not enough to, just enough to get myself into trouble. And that's about it, really. Um <laughs> Okay, well, listen, as we're sort of slowly getting towards uh, wrapping up time here, um, now need to ask you, you have started it since um, uh, lockdown has begun across the world. You're doing your own podcast now. Yeah. What's that all about? 
How, how, <laughs> is this the brick yard? you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brickyard composition. Uh, so that's with an artist friend in he's actually from uh, Philadelphia, which is where I where I where I'm from. And he's a he's a painter uh, predominantly. And so we always have sort of these discussions about what we're working on in art. And whenever I'm in visiting the U.S. or in Philly, we tend to meet up, you know, go to the pub, go to exhibitions and stuff. And last time I was there, I was like, we need to start a podcast because we just have sort of interesting conversations about art, at least interesting to us. <laughs> and it's always helped like sort of solidify my thoughts on where I'm going with certain projects and stuff. And I said, hey, we should we should do this. Um, and I plied him with enough beer that he was like, okay, maybe. Um, so then, uh, yeah, we sort of, we sort of started that, but it's not about photography per se. Um, it's, it's a podcast about general art. on art, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Exactly. So, um, we talk about art and, um, and so there's been this other, uh, co-host that we brought on recently named David Griffin, uh, wait, Griffith. No, I should probably know his name. Um, <laughs> but the uh, other David, uh, who worked in New York in the art world for a while, um, and uh, is super knowledge- more knowledgeable than either of us uh, about stuff. But yeah, so, so it's it's sort of been fun just talking about art and theory and all kinds of stuff. Like we just recorded one on conceptual art. And, That's um, nice. Yeah, so, so it's been fun. Yeah. Um- I actually saw uh, an article in the, the Guardian today, which was about the Great British Art Quiz, and it looks super tough. So I'll send you the link over to that. Let's um, yeah. see how I do. My uh, my artist friend, um, I think she got half. She got like four out of eight. She was like, some of these are really, you know, like really hard, but they look. It looks fun, and you know, I I wouldn't know any of them, but I will send it over to you. And uh, it's always nice to look at interesting art and find out stories behind it, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, I mean, I think that's sort of the, the fun thing. It's It's been interesting because we haven't been good at advertising it yet. So all of our listeners so far are people who know me through the film photography community, um, which a few of them have been like, I don't actually know much about art at large other than photography. Mm-hmm. And then they've just given all, all really good feedback. I'm like, oh, I don't know how they'll respond to this. And like, it's been really interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, really? cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sweet. You you're busy doing all these kinds of mashups with, you know, between photography and crochet, working in a collaborative <laughs> project. Did you yeah. know about this, Graham? Uh, no, okay, I would actually like, because I've seen tweets, but not seen any, I don't I don't know what's going on, but I have seen the words uh, photography and my mum's crochet, and I don't, I don't understand how these things come <laughs> so, together. Is your mum going to be on the podcast soon, talking about her Should- artwork? Should we should should we do a show with my mom? We, we, I'd be I think that'd be amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. So she normally will take pictures of people's pets and make giant afghans, like you know, fifty by forty inches. You know, so like one hundred and thirty centimeter. You know, blankets. Oh, blanket, right? Okay, because an afghan yeah. is a dog, as far as I, I knew. <laughs> oh but... yeah, yeah. So at least in a, in America, like. A crocheted blanket's called an afghan. Okay. Um, and she'll so she calls them pet gans. But what she does <laughs> is she. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, you know what it's to get Sinead for Christmas when we're mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But she actually crochets, like, it's not like cross-stitch. She actually, like, hooks in the colors of different yarns, like pixels, mm -hmm. to make giant handmade blankets of pictures of people's pets, right? And the fun thing about crochet is it can only be done by hand. There are no machines that can do it. Isn't that cool? Right? Yeah. It's not like knitting. Knitting, you can have a machine that knits. Mm -hmm. You can't. There are no machines that have been made that crochet, to my knowledge. Um, and so, I like, there's something inherently, like, anyone in the know knows this can't be commercially done, which is sort of interesting, right, that there's hours put into it. And, um, and then there's always this, again, like, we get into, like, sort of gatekeeper um, photography where people talk about pixels and what's better printing, you know, industrial printing or darkroom printing, right, like, and all this stuff. And... You're just like, again, like make what you want. And so I've been thinking for a while, like, wouldn't it be fun to print and crochet, like to call it a photographic print, right? Right. Like darkroom doesn't use ink and ink prints use pixels, right? Can't I have a pixel print that doesn't use ink, right? Like, <laughs> I um, love it. So good. Yeah. So it's sort of, again, it's like this sort of subversive, off, like maybe conversation piece about like, I think it's very important to call it a photographic print from a, from an analog negative, right? Um, it's a print. It's just a weird Realized way Realized in crochet. Yeah, exactly. And so my mom made the first one and it's pretty ridiculous. And it's been like, <laughs> I didn't think it would have such a good response. I thought people would be like, what the crap are you smoking, Dave? Why are you having your mom crochet your pictures? Like, is your life that sad? And I mean, it is. But like, <laughs> short answer, yes. <laughs> short answer, yes. But um, long answer is like, no, like people have been like, this is sort of, this is really cool. And people have been like, how does she do this? And all this. And I guess the beauty of it is people who crochet know how hard that would be. And my mom's just like a superstar. So she can do these very quickly. Um, so we've been, yeah, sort of moving forward. And I'm, we're going to start with a triptych of a few of my classic photos and uh and see where that goes but yeah yeah so i'm printing in crochet now yeah feels cheating. when it's a photo not a photo when it's a blanket <laughs> yeah exactly but it's still a photo but it's still a photo you know, yeah exactly and <laughs> I, I now i'm going like super conceptual because i want to make a series of like triple length blankets that are designed to hang on the wall but also come down onto a chair so <laughs> right like like so it, you can also sit under it but it's also hanging up um <laughs> Like my anyway. Uh, there needs to be some hole for your head to go through in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, like a snuggie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so we can look forward to blankets also being on fifteen negatives soon. Then. No, that doesn't count, man. I don't. Why? why? By the definition you just gave. It's not a dark room thing. I guess I could have my a cyanotype mom do it isn't a dark room light. thing. Cyanotype <laughs> is. isn't a dark it's room thing. Is. Sorry, it's a dark room. It's dark, from a dark UV. room. Mm? Right, like there can't be UV light in the room, okay? So it's dark <laughs> to a certain light range. Right? Well, whatever. That's Come the weakest on. defense I've heard. Um, okay, well, okay, we'll, we'll add crochet. It's fine. I'll add you... crochet right now and see how everyone reacts when I'm like, oh. David, it's your site. <laughs> you know, you can just tell Graham to stop bullying you and that it's up you to you. Cannot. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. I have like a weird 
you know, masochistic tendency. I keep but, letting Graham back into my life. You, you <laughs> definitely, you definitely should have Crochet as a thing on there, even if it's just, even if there's only one thing that's ever on there. You definitely need to have Crochet okay. as an option. Under, under, under substrate fiber paper has encoded other Crochet. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. I don't know how that's even a question. I'm gonna in do. Your yeah, mind. you're right. I'm gonna add <laughs> Crochet see? to it. Do it. Um. Uh, uh, one last thing that we could not let you go without just asking you about, because of course you are one half of the fabulous Danger Boys, <laughs> and um, we just need to check in and see how the other half, the wonderful Simon, is doing. How is he up in Bonnie, Scotland? Because I'm sure you've been in touch with him. Yeah, I no, I was just talking to him tonight. Actually, um, we talk all the time. He's all right. He uh, he he's he's one of those high riskers for um, for the coronavirus. So, of course, there's always that concern because he has diabetes. Um, but fortunately, he is in a less dense uh, area of the world, population-wise, up in the highlands. Seems so like an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he's been he's been staying pretty pretty safe relatively. He did buy a motorcycle recently. So Yay! Yeah. Oh, um, so he's been just like riding that motorcycle up to the tanks, um, just reliving the glory days. <laughs> so <laughs> sending me no. GoPro footage of him riding up to the tank. He he took GoPro three sixty footage of him driving through the tunnel that we stayed in the entire thing. That's awesome, which um, is ridiculous. So yeah, yeah. So he's good. It's so pretty cool. Next high adventure, Danger Boys photo. I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, trying to buy. Toilet paper in a supermarket? Is that what yeah. we're looking at? <laughs> One supermarket, no toilet rolls, 24 hours. <laughs> it it, actually, itself. in all seriousness, do you, do you have any um, ideas for the next project when all of this is over, as we keep saying? <laughs> we, we, started pl- we started planning stuff with Ethan Moses to mm-hmm. try to maybe do a GoFundMe um, for the next you know, documentary with Ethan because he's been doing this super large camera for doing um, uh, direct positive on our um, R4A paper um, on color on color darkroom paper Ooh. and he's been making a camera that's both you know like a giant camera that shoots like on you know big paper that you develop and so he was like hey I've been doing this like let's Let's like do the next Danger Boys. He has all the equipment, right? Which is really cool because we could just go out to Ethan um, in in New Mexico and not have to bring anything, essentially, which is cool. And go into the desert. And he also they have lava tunnels there. Um, so we had talked about lava tunnels. So we were planning this, um, and then of course mm-hmm. all of this hit. So we were hoping to like try to aim for something for September ish but of course that's not going to happen um even close because you know we couldn't get a gofundme up um and it's a good thing we didn't get a gofundme up before this happened um but yeah so so that's sort of interesting idea because he's a fun character too yeah ethan's really cool and so it'd be sort of fun to do a one shot you know um uh we were calling it new mexi mick one shot i think <laughs> tentatively being the operative word i think needs more work but you know you've got plenty yeah. of time yeah <laughs> new, new, yeah um awesome. new mexi mick one shot yeah so so that was one of the ideas and i i like that idea i like 
I like Ethan. He's a cool guy. He does funky stuff with cameras. It seems like it would sort of be fun, you know, doing that that kind of thing with him. So, so yeah. So that that's what we're talking about. But then you know, st- stupid COVID. Stupid COVID. Yeah, <laughs> as it as it's as it's known, stupid COVID. Well, it gives us all something to look forward to, including yourselves. By the sounds of it, we should look forward to Texi Texi McMex shot or whatever it was you were going to go with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mexi McNew shot or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. There's more time in the uh, ideas room, I think. Um, Dave, thank you so much yes. for joining us this evening. It's been a delight, as always, chatting to you um, and seeing the new 15 Negs website, yeah, 15negatives.com. Uh, I'm guessing that's where you'd like people to go um, and check yeah. out. Yeah, check it out. You know, support some artists, you know, like maybe like hold off on the new phone for like three more months right like just be like hey i'm gonna like buy that new phone three months after i thought i was gonna buy it and support an artist who right now is probably having a rough time especially yeah and and also just get yourself a fantastic piece i mean the the whole support an artist thing is a very nice um, way of looking at it but also just get yourself some fabulous yeah. art for your yeah. home the selfish point of view is get yourself an awesome piece of art to have in your home that people go oh that's an awesome piece of art you've got yeah, in your no, home that's true. You, yeah, you are clearly you can, a... that you can enjoy whilst we're in lockdown as well yeah exactly that's a tr- that ain't that the truth i'm glad i have nice art in my house everyone else is like i'm bored i'm bored i'm like i'm staring at my walls jerks yeah um, <laughs> and my mom's crocheting all my artwork i'm free <laughs> <laughs> it's literally what we've been doing like we've we've gone okay we're going to put up two pieces of art every day you know and and just yeah. kind of like get them up on the walls and stuff so that's actually that's been awesome. quite quite lovely uh, yeah. yeah so i need to get you to make me one of your like the something a piece like your yoko ono piece that i yeah. often think about oh thank you yes no and I th- we uh think about that really well you you did get in touch and and, and asked asked me about doing a commission and i was like i probably won't have time until april (laughs) and look here we are in april oh it's april oh man yeah Um, yeah we should talk about that no that no i kid you not like that when i think about cyanotypes yeah that for some reason that's like the piece that like comes back into my head each time when i think about like what's an interesting cyanotype and that's like the one i'm like well if it keeps coming back in your head it's probably an awesome thing thank you that's such a lovely thing to hear i really appreciate that david um we'll chat we'll definitely have a chat okay Uh, and listeners, if you're looking ahead, well, I say ahead, by the point you listen to this, it's going to be Thursday, but if you're thinking about what creative stuff you're doing this week, uh, don't forget, it is both Poiler, 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 Poiler Week. Poiler Week. Poiler I'm very West Country. I was born in Taunton. It's both Polaroid Week and also we're working towards Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day uh, on Sunday. So you can either be making your own camera or, uh, as Justin Quinnell is trying to push us all towards doing, which I think is a fabulous idea, making your living room or whatever room it most makes sense into a camera obscura by blacking mm. out all the windows and making a teeny tiny hole um and if you check in the show notes for backing paper from uh, earlier the week you will see the links to all that stuff who knows i may remember to put them in the show notes for this too <laughs> let's not count our chickens there though um but two fabulous things to get involved with this week with polaroid week and pinholes um i actually st- I've, 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 I've decided rach i'm gonna yeah. do polaroid this week <gasps> yeah <laughs> by, by which i mean i've, t- I've taken oh, one picture seeing some beautiful work already i've just been following along on instagram because obviously it's on instagram and on, on facebook and and things as well 
um, uh, as on Flickr. So I've just been loving seeing what's been popping up on my timeline with that. It's been so nice. And you, you've been out with yours shooting in the garden. Well, yeah. So I've taken. Well, I took two, but the first one was rubbish because I pressed the, I, the, the the camera just didn't behave the way I thought it was going to. Shot too soon. Exactly. It's like oh, I think I pressed this button to not use the flash. Oh damn! I fired it. It's like a hair trigger <laughs> on that thing. Um, so my um, my aim is to have five pictures from my garden within this week and my garden is one very small and two as i keep saying has no flowers at the moment so it's gonna be a bit of a challenge but i've got one i have one picture i just need five more so um you know i'm going for oh. it yeah yeah absolutely and um yeah we'll uh worldwide pinhole photography day i'm really looking forward to on sunday and um yeah my aim is to to take something to either pinhole or to obscure in some way <laughs> mm, when does I, is it Wait, is it, is it um, Polar- Polaroid week? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Polaroid's and a whole week. Does Sunday count? I So in France, the week ends on Sunday, but in in, in, a, in the US, it starts on Sunday. So I don't know. Is there is there? I think it was Sunday there? to Monday, I think. But um, the information will be on... Should I... Uh, hang on. I'll, I'll check. Should I try to load some um, Insects Mini into my 6x7 back and then shoot some pinhole onto it? Ooh. So, Rach, can, can you remind us of the... Because the, uh, Polaroid Week um, confuses me sometimes. Is Instax allowed in Polaroid Week? Remind uh, me, Rach. It is. It is, yes. It is. Yeah, they oh, are phew. allowing... They are allowing... Um, <laughs> uh in in stacks and uh, and what have you uh but yeah basically as long as it's actual actual film sort of thing hold on one second okay so it's uh, april the 19th till the 24th basically there you go okay. till saturday till saturday. saturday okay so i have to do the shot right as it strikes midnight like i have to start the exposure on saturday and the exposure on on sunday for it to count for both right Actually, Friday. So yeah, twenty fourth is Friday. So it's Friday. Sunday's Friday. Yes, Sunday's Friday. Um, of course, because there's no Saturday in the week. Every year, people go, "Why not Saturday?" <laughs> and they've never come up with a good reason. Okay. Sort yourselves out for the road week. Rule number so four: twenty four hour exposure is what you're telling yeah. me to actually make it bridge. Yes, and rule number four says, though we call it Polaroid Week, any instant film is fine. So there you go. Any instant films, and also it's not a week. Okay, we we have gone all, we've gone all over the place at the end of the show here, so we really really ought to get out of here. This is what happens when he's not around to keep us in line. Rage. We drift. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we get a bad case of the Tokyo drift. Um, Dave, thank oh, you so much for joining things. us. Um, you you are welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, go visit the website. Go and see Rachel's video on Ilford's oh. YouTube channel because they're awesome yeah, and yeah. you can learn all about mm-hmm. Tony and stuff. Um, listen to uh, Dave's new podcast, which is called again uh, uh, Shit Brickhouse. Brickyard Competition. You both just talked over each other, so somebody just tell us what it's called. <laughs> David, what's it called? Okay. Brickyard Composition Podcast. Okay. And it's. Where all fine podcasts are to be found, I think. There you go. Perfect. We will play you out, as always, with Rachel's fabulous music from her band, Rocha, um, from the album Promises I Should Have Kept, available where all good music is found. Um, (laughs) And we will be back, hopefully, on Sunday with another episode of Backing Paper. If you write into us with your emails, if you don't write into us with your emails, then we will not be back, and that'll learn you, (laughs) or not, as the case may be. Um, Until then, listeners, thank you so much for joining us, and goodbye. Yeah, episode 199. Woo! 199! 199. 199.